if you hypertrophy, if you hypertrophy a muscle, you get a change in, in the in the organization uh, of the fasciculi, like uh, pull up a Nordic hamstring article or something along those lines, and that and you will see those changes taking place. Well, is that categorized as a stretch, even though you've got a concentrically oriented muscle under that circumstance, right? But you but you're still going to get the, those those changes. Well, what if the joint is changing its its orientation? What if you have a, a bony structural change that's going to change the the position of the attachments of the muscle because muscles twist and they turn and and when you untwist a muscle, you get you get a, a, a actually a longer fasciculi in circumstances. Anyway, I don't want to talk about stretching. <laughs> well, I mean, we're already eleven minutes into talking about <laughs> stretching. I don't so want to talk I, about it. Well, it's I mean, it's. It's so we're well because you know people people are some people are bothered by hearing that well, you know Santa Claus hurt. doesn't exist. Welcome to Reconsider. I'm Bill Hartman. This is the podcast to challenge you to ask better questions, to look beyond traditional models of thinking, and arrive at better health and fitness solutions. Uh-oh, you're frozen. There, you froze. This I froze is, as soon as that well, I think it's just because as soon as I hit as soon as I hit the record button, you froze. That's funny. Am I am I back now? You are back. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um yeah, people people get so in response to the stretching episode. For, yeah. At first I want to say, like, I mean, thank you everyone for paying attention to it and watching it and commenting and asking questions. I mean, that's the idea of this whole podcast to begin with is, and you should, it should, some sort of trigger should be sort of flicked in your head when we say something that's, that's contrarian to what you believe. Right. Right. And And it's okay. But we're not being contrarian, be contrarian. What, 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 what has not been differentiated? Here's what hasn't been differentiated. It's like the intention of like the 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 researchers is to do something. Then they pick a population or they pick a protocol, and they're examining what happens during that protocol. And they call it something, and then that gets categorized. Right. So if if their intention, well, we wanted to see what this stretching protocol does. Or would do potentially. Would do. Right. To this population of people. Okay. So now you got a bunch of parameters that you have to you have to consider. But but the point is, is that um there's a there's a large body of literature that that shows that that the the changes that are associated are associated with stretch tolerance. And then there's a body of literature that shows changes in in fasciculi orientation, length changes. And then there's there's another one that shows, there's another group of literature that says, oh, there's hypertrophic effects. Oh, no, there's, there's force production effects. What they're doing though, is because they said it was a stretching uh, protocol, that gets grouped into the same group that only shows the the stretch tolerance 
Sure. Yeah, it's it's in it, a lot of this is going to come back to. So the bill said a bunch of big words. He said hypertrophic and fascicle. So fascicle <laughs> is just meaning like the actual muscle fiber, like com- composition of the muscle fiber and kind of sort of like don't say composition. Don't say composition because that's not fair because because there's there doesn't have to be a compositional change to to change the the orientation, the length and the direction of a fasciculi. All I have to do is twist your ankle in a direction. And that's exactly what happened. So, so now we have to say, well, what changes the, the, the representation of the fasciculi? Because if you do speed squats, guess what happens? You change the organization, you, you change the, the, the direction and the, and the length of the fasciculi just by doing speed squats. Well, okay, so now are we going to lump that into the stretching protocol because that shows up in a stretching protocol? Or do we have to recognize the fact that they exceeded a parameter within the protocol for the population that that was being tested. And then that's why that representation changed in that study. See, they're they're not differentiating between the the training effects that are being applied to the population. A 13-year-old female volleyball player that has never done any strength training that goes through what would be perceived as a static stretching protocol will get a hypertrophic effect. You'll have fasciculi differences potentially if there's a joint position change or a skeletal shape change. That's what's going to change the fasciculi, okay? Um, She'll get a uh, force-producing effect if it exceeds the tension sufficient for her nervous system to respond to resist and produce force. Again, it's like, you can't just say, oh, this is categorized as stretching because that was their intention. It's like they they have exceeded certain parameters. And therefore that's why you're going to see this big body of literature that says, oh, it's only a a stretch tolerance effect. And then you're going to see this other stuff that gets lumped into that, that says that, oh no, we have these changes and these changes and these changes. Right. From right. hypertrophy to force production, et cetera, et cetera. It's like they're not that. doing they're not doing the same thing because we have individual differences, we have population differences, and then we have differences in in their response to the protocol. It's like if you take a strength training program and you and you do the same strength program training program with five different people, you get five potential different responses. Okay. Now. If I apply this protocol and we get similarity across the board, then we say that this protocol has a good chance that that it does this most of the time with with this group of people, and maybe we can extrapolate to another group. But the thing that you have to appreciate is that is that okay, we had an intention, but that doesn't guarantee that that's that's what it's going to be under the circumstance. And so now we have to recognize it's like okay, I have these certain thresholds where muscles behave in certain ways that joint position is going to change in certain ways, uh, that the nervous system is going to respond in certain ways under certain circumstances, right? All that's, that's what we're doing. Just because you say that you're doing something doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen because you don't know what the response is going to be for this population, this person, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So that's try, I'll try to simplify what Bill's saying a little bit for the people that aren't as keen to research and physiology and all of these things. It was throwing a lot of big words around. So one of the, the, one of the, one of the main goals of what we're trying to accomplish with the podcast is to get people to ask the right questions about what they're reading or they're seeing. So in a lot of cases, if there is a news outlet that's reporting about uh, stretching is bad because of this study. A lot of that, a lot of the reporting that's coming from that, and a lot of what people are taking away from that comes from reading a headline and an abstract, which is a very 
paper representation and a very surface level representation of what's actually happened in the study. So our, our challenge to everyone is to, to kind of go into find the study that's been linked, read the study past the abstract, maybe go to the end of it and see what the conclusions were and the discussion of the, the article, because a lot of times you're going to have the researchers, they have to talk about the shortcomings of their study at the end. And a lot of, in a lot of cases, you're going to be able to see at the very end of the research paper, why there you have to keep asking questions after this sort of conclusion has been come to. Um methods subjects and results yes those matter those are what really matters because a lot of the remainder so an abstract is the the researchers or authors interpretation of what the paper tells you and then so they will make a conclusion they're making their own conclusions based on their biases their their understanding their experience and and they may not. I mean, again, I'm not. In, I'm not trying to insult anybody, but but they will have a limited perspective. They will have. They will have their own biases. We do too. Like we're sitting here, we're having a conversation that is going to be based on on our biases because we're dealing with complex issues. And what what our biases actually do is is simplifies things for us so we can actually, you know, behave in the world. Sure. They're doing the same thing. That's why we have to we have to look at it across the 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 body of the evidence provided, and then reach conclusions that way. Just because just because we state something based on a paper or an article, it is re, it is represented representative of a segment of, right? We're not saying that this is absolute. Yeah, research papers and, but, and the results do not become the new truth. Because they're not principle based in most cases. The truth is determined over time, or or what would be closer to the truth is probably how we should say it. Sure. Is when we see when we see the repeatability with different populations. So we can and say large, that, large, large right, sample sizes. We can say that that typically a certain percentage of maximum maximum loading is, is going to provide this response to most people because we do have a large body of evidence in that regard, right? And, yeah. and then, but 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 again, we can't we can't um, rely on the intention of the researchers as categorizing what is actually supposed to happen. It's like, and especially with when it comes to to the the literature on on what would be perceived as stretching, it's like there 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 are a lot of studies on it. And you will see a variation in application, population, and so on. And that's why there's so many differences. And then everybody says, well, all stretching will do this, or stretching has the potential to do this. I would lean towards stretching has the potential to do this. But once you start to exceed certain thresholds, it's it has to be recategorized because you're, you're not affecting the, the tissues the same way. You're not affecting the nervous system the same way. You're not affecting the 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 orientation of the body the same way, right? Because again, you you'll see changes in fasciculi in a stretching study, but that's a response to a change in joint position. And yeah. so, what you may have is somebody that has now has, 
utilize this strategy during the protocol because of the application of, of, of tension or force that's applied, they are self-selecting a joint position to either increase their tolerance or, re or reduce the, the perception of the, of the influence of the tension or load that's being applied. If that carries over, now you're going to get changes in fasciculi. Right. Sure. If you hypertrophy, if you hypertrophy a muscle, you get a change in, in the in the organization uh, of the fasciculi, like uh, pull up a Nordic hamstring article or something along those lines. And that and you will see those changes taking place. Well, is that categorized as a stretch, even though you've got a concentrically oriented muscle under that circumstance? Right. But you but you're still going to get the, those those changes. Well, what if the joint is changing its its orientation? What if you have a, a bony structural change that's going to change the the position of the attachments of the muscle because muscles twist and they turn and and when you untwist a muscle you get you get a, a, a actually a longer fasciculi in circumstances. Anyway, I don't want to talk about stretching. <laughs> well, I mean, we're already eleven minutes into talking about <laughs> stretching. I don't so want to talk I, about it. Well, it's I mean, it's. It's so we're well because you know people people are some people are bothered by hearing that well, you know Santa Claus doesn't exist. It hurts. It hurts. Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, and it a lot of people. It's it's tough to when you when you dive into a topic and you've been say you're you've been in a chiropractor or a massage therapist or a, a physical therapist for twenty years and you believe in certain things and these things have been useful for you then yeah. when someone comes along and asks you to question your perspective on something it, it, you a lot of people take that personally and what we're trying to what we're trying to do is get people to sort of look past the ego. And understand that, like, we're not here trying to say that we're right and everyone else is wrong and this is stupid and that is useless and all that stuff. It's like, that's what we're trying to do is get people to continue to ask questions, even when they have found something that's useful, to try to always improve their ability to be useful and to be the most useful that they right. can be. Right. Uh, and even if they're working with in and of themselves, they're trying to find the most efficient ways to do things and, and it's going to require you or to, to get any sort of change is going to require you to change and adjust what you are doing constantly. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. Yeah. And it's, you know, change is uncomfortable and it's always going to be. And once you, when you are settled and you do feel satisfied with something, that's when things die. Well, that's when that's that's the time where you really start. You, you really have to challenge yourself. Yeah, you got to you have to find you have to figure out, like, once you realize you're sort of settling in and you're very comfortable, then those are the people, those are the doctors, those are the practitioners that over time, you you actually don't want to see a, uh, a, a surgeon that has been doing surgeries for a long period of time and has had, you know, just it's just sort of this routine surgeon. You want to see the ones that have run into struggles and always have to be kind of changing and and, and progressing and evolving. Right, evolving is um, probably the good word. I think. Yeah, I, evolution I like, and like, and your like and the motivation that you have to continue to evolve is important too. Absolutely, it's like it, it, the 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 struggle has to be there because that's what's associated with with learning. It's like learning yeah. is uncomfortable. Learning is uncomfortable because there's a change that's associated with it because you're constantly challenging those ingrained beliefs. Sure. You know, we all have it. We all have it for sure. If, yeah, if, so, if you're willing, if you're willing to expose yourself to it. 
that's the so to, to sort of summarize what we've talked about so far, the the things that you're seeing in a study uh, when you read the title in the abstract are the author's interpretation of what has happened in order to try and prove their hypothesis. So they have a question that could be that might be the name of the paper. So let's say, you know, is stretching good? very general like you know <laughs> say it's that so like we can go the full neanderthal route and be like stretching good and then they say well, okay well we did x y z q r s interventions and then we were able to change one measure that we were measuring maybe it's a toe touch or something like that but you're not taking into account what specific thing with this shotgun approach that you've used for this protocol helped these right. people and it's yeah. like what was the what was the change in the in the control group versus the the group that was being intervened upon a lot of times there's similar changes or if the control group is only doing like or if one group is doing this type of stretch and another group is doing this type of stretch but they're also doing strength training and then you have uh the strength training group has better results with trying to touch their toes all of a sudden people are going to be like strength training is better than stretching because that's a conclusion that you can completely jump to sure. but it's it would be incorrect because it's not you're not you're not painting a, an entire picture at all. You're just sort of taking yeah. this this question of like stretching good or bad, right? And you're you're concerning yourself with other things. So and it's it's you know it's trying to look past what I think one of the ways just from my personal experience when I get someone sends me an article that says like you know exercise is it doesn't work for fat loss or uh exercise doesn't actually do anything for muscle gain and then you go okay well let's wait a second this you know CNN or whatever is trying to sell uh the news to you and trying to get right. you to click on their news so they can get ad revenue so they're going to put some type of like clickbaity contrarian thing out there it's kind of like how you know the thumbnail for the stretching podcast says stop stretching on it that's not what we're saying but if it's but, enough to get people to pay attention well but it's also is it's it's like it, it makes us makes us seem like uh for the abstract readers yeah it's like we're we're telling people not to right and then those people are also the people so you know typically uh people make it about the majority of people make it about 10 minutes into the the podcast before they click off right and that's well, not, that's the, not good stuff for the last two minutes i don't understand why yeah so i know a lot of times we tell people to to so this i mean since we're already like halfway through a 30 minute segment we're just going to keep talking about this because there's i feel like there's oh, a lot to man, talk about seriously well we'll we'll record <laughs> we'll 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 cut for a second and then we'll record because i did get a lot of i got a bunch of dms about people wanting to know about uh theraguns and foam rollers and stuff like that so that is coming up soon and we'll probably be able to film that today so bill and i will be wearing similar clothing for the next two episodes <laughs> uh but no i, I did want to talk about this because you know people are going to get bothered when we talk about yeah. foam rolling um and people are going to get bothered when we talk about energy systems or art aerobic uh exercise or anything right. um uh, functional movement, which Bill doesn't like. To... <laughs> I'm going to try to, I'll try to say functional movement as much as possible. Oh, man, that it's like, it's like my chest tightens up. It's like, you shouldn't do that. My yeah. I don't, if I, if I hit it, if very I hit old. it at the right time, you might, I might, uh, I might kick you out of your, 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 uh, QRS wave of your, your heart there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we got we got feedback about people and people get upset because they take it personally yeah, that right. we're trying to like tell them Santa Claus doesn't exist. Uh, oh, when, yeah, it's it's uh, wait a second. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, and, and it's this the real question to ask when you're when you're looking at the research is what else might be happening. Right. I think that's always that's always my number one question is, and and a really good example of this is in fitness. A lot of times the Tabata protocol research has been. Oh, I was going to bring that up. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, and this is thank this you is so a, much. For that. This is a good example. So there was this research uh, where they used very very high intensity intermittent exercise, and then all of a sudden the results for, I believe is fat loss and uh, VO2 max, maybe they measured, I can't remember the exact measurements, but there were some pretty marked changes. So all of a sudden people wanted to do these sort of negative rest intervals where they were doing like a 10 second uh, work well, period so, and so, then a five so second rest period. What, what Tabata has become is is the 20 seconds off, 10 seconds, or 20 seconds on, 20 seconds 10 on. seconds off, yeah, nine, so eight. Negative rest. Because that was in the what I believe the original uh, cycling protocol was, mm -hmm. right? But what people don't so th that and and on the surface that's like oh that's great so that means that people took that and ran with it and started to say that you know high intensity exercise is the only way to train and that you have to have these sort of negative rest intervals otherwise you're not going to be maximizing your your training output. But there 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 there's so many other further questions to ask is like. Who were they testing? Uh, what what were the what were the results between groups? What were the other things that were part of the protocol? Which well, is see, like there's, one of the, there's the other things people don't know that, that that there was a there was like a what seventy percent continuous training as part. There was of a the, very large volume of steady state cardiovascular exercise right. added to it. Yeah. And, and so they're and saying, then, oh, look at the aerobic adaptation. So they say, yes. Uh, did you know that this part was also part of the protocol? Did right. You, and the, you know, the high level the, cyclists, was it high level cyclists that, were, that they tried to do the protocol with? Because um, they used bike, right? The original? You're going to look it up? Yeah, it was, it was biking. Yeah. It was, it was, it was cycling. It, 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 again, memory serves. It's been a while. Uh, high level cyclists, the, the power output was ridiculously high to such, it was 170% of VO2 max. Okay. And so it, so it was so hard that these high level cyclists, there were, there are actually some of them that could not finish the study because it was just too hard. Right. So people don't, don't realize how hard this has to go. Just doing the 2010 times eight is not a Tabata protocol. It's like, it's like, you have to, you have to consider the, the amount of power output that's being produced. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, you know, and it's that, so that, what can we take away from this is that the, the abstract and the news article that you read has biased your view towards one thing, right. try to investigate what was actually being tested or find someone else that you trust that has a better working knowledge of this stuff to be able to look at these things and ask the right questions to figure out, well, what might have been happening there? Yeah. Um, but the same thing is true for what we're talking about with stretching research and people get people get hot and bothered about, you know, stretching not working and they saying, well, this protocol they did you know, like a loaded RDL and that added length to the hamstring. And it's like, well, once you add load to the system, you actually change the shape uh, of yeah. the of the body in of order course. to manage that load. I know you know this. I'm just telling people that are, oh. that are watching. Um, so then that, like Bill is saying, will change the orientation of your bones, actually. And that yeah. will change the the twist and the orientation of your muscles. So if you right. take a muscle that was, think about a towel that's twisted and everything is sort of spiraling along that's certain angles. <laughs> if I untwist, if I untwist the towel, the angles of the muscle fibers change. Absolutely. And the fascicles, the fascicle di uh, geometry changes. So it might look there might be a perception of, right. yeah. um, 
Plus, you know, there, there get, are, I mean, you get changes in, you get changes in stiffness that are associated with that. So it's like, so yeah, the passive, well, so stiffness of the muscle, passive stiffness of the muscle will change, but yet, yet you can still have stiffness in, in the connective tissues, like in a tendon, even though they're, they're still attached to each other. Well, here's a question I have that I don't know if you necessarily, um, I'm sure you have an opinion on this. When, when I have, when I'm talking about hypertrophy of muscle fibers in parallel, which would be, you know, next to each other, filling a wider space or in series, which would be like in along one line of fibers, adding muscle fibers in series. The question becomes sarcomeres in series. Sarcomeres. Yeah. So muscle, sorry, like muscle units, whatever you want to try to call them um, as a way to understand that better. So the question becomes when they're finding, when they're taking muscle assays or they're, they're taking muscle fibers and they're finding more units in series, is that an orientation issue or are there actually instances where I can't add uh, sarcomeres in series? Where you cannot? Is that what you're saying? No, where you can. I, I'm trying to figure out if that actually is happening in some cases. Most of, most of, the, most of the stuff that I've seen um, was associated with, with animal studies because they can punish animals to a much greater degree than they can with sure. humans. Um, so you look at, and I, I believe it was bird wings was the, was the one that I, I kind of fall back on, but I'm sure they've done it to other animals since then, because th- what they can do is they can, they can literally put them in positions for 24 hours at a time. And under those circumstances, so you, I think they loaded bird wings and they and they did it for a ridiculously long time. And then you would see like this addition of sarcomeres in series um, where this might come into application. The possibility that, that pops into my head is for prolonged splinting. So there's, there's serial casting, serial splinting that you might use in certain situations where you have a deficit, like especially like post-surgical or heavy scarring or things like that, where they'll do where they'll do some uh, like serial casting, serial splinting. And then you may see, see gains in range of motion associated with that. Now, some of that might be uh, connective tissue behavior. So, so taking somebody you know, past a certain aspect of the elastic region, getting into the plastic region, but that's going to be like a pretty significant change in, in connective tissues. But maybe you are adding sarcomeres in series. The hard part with, with you know, cutting up humans is, is it's frowned upon. And so, so again, I, I haven't, and again, this is not something that I have like a deep interest in or a great concern over because number one, um, to make a significant length change in, in a muscle via adding sarcomeres in series, it would have to be an astronomical number of sarcomeres. They're incredibly small. Yeah. Right? So you're not getting yeah. a gigantic, if there is an effect there, it's most likely not a gigantic effect under any circumstance, because I would hazard to guess that if the stimulus was taken away and you, so if, if you stimulate enough that you do add sarcomeres in series, that if you take the stimulus away and it's no longer, and the muscle's no longer exposed to that stimulus, I would hazard to guess that you would have the regression um, where you would give up sarcomeres in series, which potentially is happening when you are immobilized for an extended period of time, right? So it's probably happening to some degree all the time, right? It's probably a form. We just don't have a great way to identify like how big an effect it is, how much of an effect it is, but there's all sorts of cool little linkages that take place within sarcomeres and between muscle fibers and all that kind of stuff that, that again, it's, it's, it's a, it's, if you want to take a deep dive into that, it's, I'm sure it's fascinating and interesting, but I just don't know how uh, applicable it is in, in the acute. Yeah. 
that was going to be that was going to be kind of what I was leaning towards talking about now is is as a mental model if you have something that's being given to you as this sort of physiological mechanism that has been studied in these very specific cases with animals and sometimes humans a lot of these things you're never going to be able to see or measure yourself right so when it comes to stuff like that you have to kind of put that into a section in your mind of things that I shouldn't really care that much about because they're not related to outcomes. Like the reason why you're touching your toes or your hip pain has, has dissipated over time from doing a certain intervention. It sure, it might be because of some sort of change in the muscle fiber orientation and tissue, but you can never be, you will never be able to measure that in an, an effective or cheap way. Right. So you shouldn't care about right. that. Like, yeah, there's so much, like I said, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of stated this a little bit earlier. It's like, I just don't want to talk about it because I just don't care about it that much. Yeah. And and it's not, in fact, we're not saying we don't care because like we know everything and we don't, we only care yeah. about the things that we know. We're talking about it because we can't measure it. So it doesn't matter. Right. Right. So it's like, we're going to, we're like going to be get caught up, caught up in like nervous system behaviors and things like that. It's like, it's, it's really fascinating. It's really fun to, to talk about. Um, and, and certainly as an influence. Certainly, yeah, of course, never deny that. But it's like, okay, measure that. Like, yeah. measure, that, measure that in the middle of a workout, right? The, yeah, sure. So, the, the, your, the less that your ability to measure something in terms of like a test retest type of context, right? So, the, the less that you're able to do that, the less that you should care about that thing in the, in the acute, in the acute training environment. Sure. Like, and continue to learn outside of that. So, because again, the more options, the more options that you you understand, the better your decision making, right? Because we're, we're making decisions based on on real time responses. Sure, okay. and the, the your ability but, to but the thought process that underlies it is is spending time outside of this and saying, okay, well, what are all these possibilities? Like, what can what 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 adaptations are even remotely possible? And then sure. take those into consideration as to when when they're when they're applied, and and you know some of this stuff isn't isn't really hushed out well in the research. Some of it is, um, and again, it's like the more the more repeatability you see, then like I said before, it's like that's how we get closer and closer to the truth. Yeah. Right? So but, if it's repeatable in very large populations across varied populations as well, if it's always twenty five year old elite athletes. Right. Look, look for other things to confirm yeah. or deny. And that might, and might, that might not have been studied in any other group. I mean, if we get 75 year old grandmas, 12 year old, you know, uh, little league baseball players and the um, 40 year old power lifters, and, and we see the same adaptation across the board, it's like, okay, we can start to say, all right, we're seeing these same adaptations, regardless of the group that it's applied. It's like, okay, that's probably a little bit more truthful than taking your, uh, uh, homogenous group of 20, 25 year old, uh, college students that are totally untrained. And then we're going to apply this, this, uh, app, you know, training, uh, volume to them and see what happens. Yeah. So in a, in a certain case of a study, you have an environment that was created that helped produce a certain result, but within that environment, you, you can't, you can't just you can't just cherry pick the things that were being tested and start to say that, like, since the outcome was this, one of these six things that was tested is now the reason why that outcome happened. Right. That's what that's makes it not, hard. That's what makes it yeah, hard. And that's, yeah. and that's, you know, that's why you still, 
we're talking and you're talking about these mental models and representations that people have it's sort of like this framework or this like spider web of models laid over models and you sort right. of figure out what what are the coherent things between all these different models and then you put them into practice and you see that is okay is this way of thinking producing the outcomes that i want to see and if all those answers are yes then right. you have this sort of framework to work off of right right and Many times we do the right things for the wrong reasons. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and then, but but that that doesn't mean that that is the correct reason, right? Um, in in regards to the the underlying uh, uh, causal effect, if you will. Reconsider is sponsored by Substance Nutrition. Go to substancenutrition.com. Get your neuro coffee, better coffee, better brain, and synthesis, better protein, better body. Enter the coupon code RECON, R-E-C-O-N, and get free shipping on all of your orders.